Look at this grail! I'm so glad that you decided to do that. You gotta go for it, right? Yeah, you really went all in on it. <laughs> you gotta go for it, especially with who we're doing, which yeah. hopefully everyone can guess and or listened last week. Yeah, where we or told looked them. at the looked at the album list for this week or yeah. anything. So many really. ways to do it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, welcome in everybody. Season four, episode five. That's right. So uh, you know. We're here to hang out and have a good time. We we, uh, we listened to some music this week, and uh, we're going to get ready to talk about it, because this is Totem Talks. I'm Pat. That's Nick with the fresh cut that all That's of you me. can see. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. So how was your week of listening, Nick? Don't give us any specifics. Just give you give us a one-word emotion. <laughs> really put him <laughs> on right, the spot. One word. Yeah, you really did. One word emotion to try to capture this week. Yeah. Um interesting. That okay. That's understandable. <laughs> I would say debilitating. Okay. That's that's where I went. That's a that's a good word. Yeah, and, and we'll discuss uh more in depth. But before I do that, gotta get the stuff out of the way. All the all the like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff. But seriously, like us. Nailed it. You got it. Tell us about, you know, you can uh, you can comment using the hashtag Totem Talks on any of our social media, all of which is linked in the description below or above or on, uh, depending on your podcasting platform. It's um, nearby. And by subscribe, you can, in fact, I believe, subscribe to us on Anchor with listener support. That's right. Uh, to show us your love, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Nick will DM you a feet pic for every every subscriber. Uh, if you want them, sure. I'm not telling whose they're going to be. <laughs> you can assume they're going to be Nick's, though, because Nick doesn't know enough people to make That's it different true. people's feet. I, I only have access to so many feet. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Unless you're talking cat right. feet. <laughs> I got a lot of those. Commonly called paws. But Speaking nah. of which, this whole episode gave me paws. So uh, yeah. I'm excited to uh, to delve into it. Right. Uh, and so, should I say who we're? You should we're say covering who then? we're covering today. Great. So we're arguably kicking things off with the most famous band in the history of music, Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Absolutely. And uh, my and <laughs> my favorite band fact ever. Yeah, which, which we will we'll get to. Yeah, I'm sure. of course. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to follow them up with Nickelback, as and then, predicted. Right. And then we will do the Young Rascals. And we will span their entire career, so at some point they will become just the rascals. Yes, they are no longer young, and then that is correct. Decide to, you know, the typical little Romeo, little Bow Wow route right. of dropping the lil, dropping the young, and just mm -hmm. living. Uh, yeah, I assume that's where they got the idea from. Just, <laughs> I, will, I know, would assume that's where, like, maybe little thirty-five Bow wow, years ahead. Right? Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Um, <sighs> but I guess I'll start. Yeah. Tell us about Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Oh, I'm very excited. There's so much to say. Okay, so Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, often abbreviated to SGM, is right. uh, was an experimental rock band formed in 1999 in Oakland, California. And they were active from 1999 to 2011. And then they thought, hey, we're done. We, yep. We did, <laughs> That's what, we they did what we got to do. They did what they set out to do. And now it's done. And they're, yes, they're and we done. covered all of their albums because they released That's three right. albums. Mm -hmm. So they released Grand Opening and Closing from 2001. 
They released Of Natural History in 2004, and then In Glorious Times in 2007. Correct. And uh, and that is it. And Nick, I would love for you to go first. Okay. I will. So, grand opening and closing. I'm going to be honest. I was so excited for this band based on their yes. name. And the fact. And you got to tell the fact. The fact that they performed their first ever concert to a single banana slug. <laughs> Come which on. Is just incredible. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, I, abs- I that was the first thing I read about this band online, as I do yeah. all sorts of research ahead of these episodes for you guys. Uh, and I was like, I got to get this band on the podcast as soon as humanly possible. Like, I will throw all the previous work to the wind to listen to a band that plays concerts for Banana Slugs. Uh, and this album would just be absolutely phenomenal as the soundtrack for an indie horror film Uh, where you're just supposed to feel uncomfortable the entire time. Because I felt uncomfortable the entire time. Um, It's bizarre. It's uh, experimental, to say the least. I mean, like, I I don't think experimental is a strong enough word. It's full avant-garde. Yeah, for what's happening here. Um, It's, like, and, (coughs) and I say this, like, it was not good to listen to. It, like, let's just get that out of the way. It was not good to listen to. You you but spoke like, a long time before saying that. I know, I know. But the weird part about it is, like, there's a lot of, like, six, seven-minute songs or, like, ten-minute songs. And within the minute, there would be, like, ten to fifteen seconds of, like, oh, wait, that sounds really good. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, Jesus, what the hell was that? Like, all within a minute of each other. And, like, I don't, it was just bizarre. It didn't even feel like... cohesive songs were happening because it was just like all right we've done something for 30 seconds let's hurry up and do something else so nobody can predict what we're gonna do anymore um so yeah it was really weird although i will say my favorite song was called the miniature it was 59 seconds and relatively inoffensive (coughs) yes uh okay i wait hold on i have one other thing oh okay okay the uh the violinist slash percussion guitarist auto harpist pump organist sometimes vocalist Carla uh, Kilstedt yes is like a fairly um busy instrumentalist playing uh, in studio for a lot of other albums oh notably she was featured on Third Eye Blind's Blue album oh 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 you didn't okay sorry it was so late that's where I was going you, you didn't tell yeah. me you got to give me like the this the national symbol for six degrees of Totem talks. Right. I should have known. As you should have done. Um, well, I guess it's my turn. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, I'm going to quote uh, a very famous person about this album. So they said, and I quote, it's like the soundtrack of an indie horror film. That sounds like me. It Am was a very you. famous You're person? very famous in my heart. Thank you. Uh, you literally texted me and you said it sounds like an indie horror film soundtrack. And I, mm-hmm. my response was... Yeah, it worked because I'm horrified. <laughs> it it was very difficult to really try to get a grip on the music because nobody wanted you to get a grip on the music less than Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Yeah. They absolutely would have hated you to understand it. <laughs> um, That's fair. So I'll say some good stuff. Yeah. Dan Rathburn, the bass guitar player on this album, plays an instrument called the Pedal Action Wiggler. Yes. And 
that's all I have to say about how good the album was. Uh, yeah, I will say, I mean, as a whole, that's just like the first step in this is a band that just like invents new instruments yeah, to and, play. And they which is they cool do. in theory. Like there's stuff called the spring nail guitar, the popping turtle, food containers. Thing. thing. Yeah, I really like thing. I wonder what thing is. Yeah. They just they just don't they just don't play music. Well, yeah. But here's is, the thing. That is a critique. Here's the thing, okay? For a, as you had mentioned, first off, this album is 59 minutes long and the shortest one. And yeah, it's like 59 minutes of getting your skull drilled. It's rough. <laughs> um especially when like you're in this like coma this comatose state of oh dear god, I'm regretting my life choices. Yeah. What are we doing? I'm uncomfortable, I'm not happy. And right. then there's like like you mentioned about 15 seconds of like this really interesting classical in- influenced riff and you're like wait a minute oh and we're back and we're back to just yep. the the weirdness again mm-hmm. uh absolutely brutal um yeah and of course because it's avant-garde uh you know it's got three and a half stars which is ridiculous yeah, to pretty me well, pretty well reviewed because here's the thing i am convinced i'm convinced that like avant-garde music is like the super in-depth like English teacher breakdown of literature. You know what right. I mean? Like More you're stuff an English than the teacher author originally yeah. intended. You're an English teacher. You there. know that mm-hmm. sometimes they go too far. Of course. That's of course. all people who review avant-garde music are. They're like right. this is so deep because of this and that. No, man. Like it's shitty. I'm it, yeah. I'm sorry. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. If that's what you're going for, you can find a way to say it. Like yeah. you can find a way to say it. That's not this. Yeah. And if we, it is this, like, come on. Right. The thing we've talked about before is, like, there's a strand of artists and critics who only really care about this concept of, can you do something that no one has ever thought to do before and have it be completely original? And yeah. in that sphere, this band succeeds. Well, of course, because <laughs> of the stuff that they do. So I'm going to take us into yeah, please, of, of Natural, natural History. history. We're we're in the avant-garde metal situation as well. We have now somehow added like 12 minutes of music. We're up to 72 minutes. Because mm-hmm. of course we are. Of course. And it's all still so rough. It's all very similar. There at some points tries to be a vocal choir, which shouldn't happen. Sure. It shouldn't yeah. happen. Just not... Not good because you have a you have Carla Kilstedt with a soprano voice, and then you have Dan Rathburn who's the baritone voice. But it it sounds like if you took the lead singer of Slayer and punched him in the stomach, like similar sure. like the in his voice, but just like gargling yeah. out words every once in a while as he gets his breath back from being punched in right. the stomach. I believe that's Dan Rathburn. Uh, oh, I said Rathburn. Who's singing? Rathburn? Yeah. Right. Um, but here's the thing. I'm going to go through some of the fun stuff. Please. On this, we happen to get the uh, with the glockenspiel, which is a normal instrument. But my favorite right. one, the log. bowed spatula. That's that's a good one, too. I like that. They're also with like spring log. and paper and log and all these fun roach. things. Yeah. They just, you know, Dan Rathbun plays Whatever. the log and the roach. Uh, but he, uh, but then Mo Mo Satiano. Mo. 
Mo yeah, Satiano. Mo with an exclamation point. Yeah, Mo Satiano plays the bowed spatula and the spring and the paper. And wood. And, and metal. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Yeah. This is clearly, listen, to all of our people who've listened to this, to all the fans, this is just not a genre of music that you're meant to enjoy. Right. Like, it, uh, But I'm not even saying that to be like a dick. It's not something you're meant to enjoy. It's something you're meant to go. And as you mentioned, I've never heard that before. Right. Like, right. sure. Guess what? If I heard that somebody climbed Mount Everest on only their hands, like walked up on their hands the entire way up, my two sentences would be, well, that's very impressive. I've never heard anyone do that before. Why the hell did you do it? Yeah. Like, sure. that's it. <laughs> okay. I'll talk about it. Um Let's be clear. The first song, A Hymn to a Morning Star, starts off as a song. It starts off as a song with vocals, and for like two minutes, it's almost a song all the way through. Yeah. But Rathbun's voice, even I don't know if he's intentionally trying to be horrifying with the with the tone of his voice, but it's genuinely like a frightening experience to listen to this band. Uh, it scared me. It scared my cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which oh no, which cat was scared? Uh, Benito. He was, Benito, he was yeah. very, like, you should have seen the looks he was giving me while I had this on. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and there's, like, this weird contradiction in this album, which is that every track flows together. There's not, like, a definitive beginning and end point for the songs uh, very frequently. You know, it's almost like a concept album where everything go- rolls right through. But at the same song, there's no cohesiveness within any individual so- song to show that, like, this is what the song is. It could have just been like one track of 71 minutes and they maybe wanted to name like, uh, you know, sections uh, of the singular piece. Um, What I thought was really interesting was, did you read about like what the actual concept of the album is about? Yes, I did read about like how there's some really continuity in this album and how the songs all sequence together and it's all connected with the apocalypse. Right. So the idea is that they wanted this album to act as a debate between um, essentially two different modern philosophies of what's called like anti-humanism, one being futurism and the other one being the philosophy set forth in Ted Kaczynski's uh, manifesto, the Unabomber for anyone who doesn't know. So it's like this anti-humanist philosophy debate between i i well i'm gonna be honest with you i didn't get any of that no but did not follow that at all i'm so glad that you brought me back into reading the stuff because i completely forgot to say one of my favorite points oh please um just in an acknowledgement of the passage of time uh track seven on this is called the 17 year cicada which if you recall this summer of 2021 was a cicada summer and this came out in 2004 Uh. 17 years right. ago. Okay. So it's the go. same cicadas that we just dealt with. That makes sense. I mean, just, you know, okay. hey, time passes, guys. Right. All right. I have one more important thing to say before I move on. <laughs> Was it more important it than a, my cicada piece? You might think it is. Okay. It's about the other bug song on this, which is oh, Cockroach, Cockroach yeah. track 11. And as I was listening to that, I was thinking to myself, this song probably should have been in Jason Siegel's musical that he was writing in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It sounded like it belonged in the Dracula musical. Which, I heard that. I was like, oh my God, is it from the movie? I'm not kidding you. By far my favorite song on the album. 
Yeah. And I yeah, also I thought that exact thought. So. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. thought that it really separately fits. from each other. Yes. Did not talk about it until right now. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Cockroach, if you're going to listen to any song sure. and you're looking for like listenable music, right. Cockroach. If you're looking yeah. to laugh along with us, everything else. Right. Okay. I'm going to be really Take us to the quick. glorious times. Yeah. In glorious times. I'm going to be really quick. So um, it's not good. No. But uh, I won't take away your... They they have some new invented instruments that are going to be on this album. I'll let you talk about them. All I will say is, of the three SGM albums, I think this one was definitively the best in the sense that I actually understood that each song was a song. There weren't just like random cuts to different things every 30 seconds. It didn't feel like they were just trying to like, let's change where we're going every time you take a breath so that we can do something different. It felt like the 11 songs on this record were at least actually songs that were going somewhere in and of themselves and that you could follow that they were actually the tracks, which was the first and only album on which that was the case. So that's my praise. Uh, Okay, so... What I will say is on this album, you're getting the first genre listed is no longer avant-garde. It is now sure. experimental rock. It seems almost like a, you know, a perfunctory difference. But, but it is in, in practice, it is different. Uh, the other thing here is, and this is, this is apparently, Nick, I, I want to I tell you here. Apparently more so than just the one instance here, they have pulled from classical authors yeah, for yeah. some of their James lyrics. lyrics. Yes, on this one for Helpless Corpses enactment, uh, they took they took some, all the lyrics are basically pulled from Finnegan's Wake, arguably James Joyce's largest work or most famous work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like James Joyce would be angry with with that. <laughs> I certainly can't see him enjoying it. <laughs> uh, it's it's not as bad. I mean, calling it their best album is a little right. too positive for me. Mm-hmm. It's their least bad album for for sure. Definitely. By a wide margin, it's their least bad album. But mm-hmm. it's definitely the seventh of the nine albums I listened to. Understandable. Um, and the other two are tied at nine. Yeah. There is no eight. <laughs> Like, albums one and two are both equally just oh terrible. Oh, my God. Pat. Yeah? We forgot to oh no. read the cover of, of Natural History. Oh, okay. Did you look at that? Um, so the cover, yeah. okay, the cover of that album, and then f- we'll finish and we'll grade. Uh, but it says that this album is aiming to answer common questions, and then it lists the questions that will be answered on the album. What does man's best friend want from us? What happened in the past? Will the future involve wood? Can we help the lower animals? How does one stare at the sun? Do gall makers enjoy beauty? What is a gymnosperm? What is delicious? Who swarms? You remember getting the answer to all those questions, right? I feel like I did get the answer to every one of them. Okay, good. Who now swarms finish. the seventeen year cicada? Exactly. I think we're all in we're all we got in it. agreement yeah. here. Uh, Now, I'll just say some of the fun instruments here. Just some of the fun stuff. Uh, So, Michael Iago uh, here, he gets to play... Oh, I'm sorry. Michael Iago Melander. It's hard to tell where the name ends and the instruments begin. Uh, He played something here that I like to call the 
Lever action lever. I love that. Uh, the Vatican, the Valhalla, the Tangularium, Tangularium mm-hmm. and the Electric Pancreas. Which is the best. Yes. Um, there also was the Sledgehammer Dulcimer and The Thing mm-hmm. Again by Dan Rathbun. Right. I think the Sledgehammer Dulcimer is like a one-stringed bass type instrument sure, that he tried to put sure. together. It's weird. Of course. Uh, and then uh, Carla Kilstedt plays the Nickel Harpa. Which, which is could, a real instrument. Yeah, but it's a funny one. It's a funny sound. It's sounding a funny one. one. Yes. That like, was an instrument before they invented it. Yes. I'll say that. It was not an invented by them instrument, but still a funny sounding one. For sure. They're they're definitely not the uh the only people in town inventing funny names right. for things. Now I gotta ask, did you notice uh, Carla Kilstedt, mainly a violinist? Yes. She plays something uh called the Stro violin. Okay. Which is like a violin that is hooked up to like a big metal horn like the end of a trumpet, which oh. like, captures the vibrations of the string and projects them through the horn. Okay. Um, it's just fascinating. I've never seen anything. Yeah, like no, that. that's really interesting. Um, uh, Just one more shout out for Carla Kilstead from yeah. Lancaster. Yes, that's right. So, And actually, of, of all the people who sang, I think she had the nicest voice. Yes. And mainly because she had a human voice. <laughs> that's, I, yeah. <laughs> arguably right. made just- her the best. Should we just grade these people? Yeah, let's grade them. Okay. Do we need to argue their cultural impact is a point one? Oh, hold on. Okay. I have something here. Okay. I feel like you're going to be interested in this. I'm uh, very Tony Levin, known for his oh, work yeah. with King Crimson, King Crimson, has stated he's a huge fan of Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, and he calls the, t- the track Sleep is Wrong very, very powerful, and said it's one of the pieces which most influenced his current project, Stickmen. Cannot wait till we get to them on the podcast. All right, I'll give them a point one one, and that's just going to round down to <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. They had three albums. Yes. That's a two and a half. They didn't sell. I don't know Nobody how. Nobody sold them. Nobody bought uh, them. I guess we're going to have to knock them a little bit for quality because they weren't enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, like, do we just give them a one? Okay. I'm okay with A, a full, like, 0. 0.5 for nobody buying it and a whole one for how yeah. just freaking terrible they were. Yeah, that's fine. One it is. I genuinely believe, though, that as crazy as the, the songs were, they're they, all really talented musicians. Like, it's so have, hard to play what they did. It's they so hard They definitely have instrumental talent. And honestly, I give them a little bit of credit for, you know, inventing instruments totally like that is, i was gonna i was gonna clever. push that to x factor that they invented so many of their own instruments we can we can push that to x Factor. i think i think we'll put it there but Here's their instrumental the, talent, like this is a really like their strongest grade by far to me because what they right. did is really tough the now we're waxing poetic there now let's pull it back into the realm of, sure of realness of course for the good stuff and for the stuff where we had to recognize that it took talent there was just some you know insane moments and terrible sounds and also nobody but carla could even hold a note and they tried to form a choir and i think sounding creepy with the choir was was the intent and it to be fair worked i'm not saying it didn't work i'm saying that we have to temper like the highest grade by far but it's not below average to me. Just it's not because of below how average, but it's everything. barely above average. I'm fine with that. Like a five one. I'll take it for him. Which I mean, seriously, that is 
you might as well give them a 10 for yeah. how much I enjoyed it. Sure. Right. Now, songwriting talent is a tricky one. I think there's an interesting blend here. It's like the crossroads of the two arguments of nothing that they write sounds good to listen to. Everything that they write is incredibly complex in its <laughs> instrumentation and arrangement. Yeah. So, like, that's where we're at. Obviously, they're going to be docked for having three albums here. I might even, like, say that those crossroads leave me right at an average two and a half. Um, just because it, the the arrangements and instrumentation are incredibly complex. It's bad to listen to. Like, points on one side, loss of points on the other. I might just sit at a two and a half. Uh, it's tough for me to give them what could be construed as an average score for their released music when it just feels like they went for shock value. Like, sure, that's you, and I, you and I could sit down and write a song that would have the entire room stare at us in abject horror. Like, I don't necessarily think... Like, that's not harder to do to me than to write a song that will have an entire room turn and say, wow, that's impressive and good. Mm -hmm. So, like, it feels like, you know, there's rules of music. There's rules of music that have been written for years, and breaking those rules, while interesting... If you're breaking them just to break them, just to do something that no one's ever done before, not all things no one's ever done before should be done. Like it's, it, sure. I, I'm a little below. I, I don't I'm, have to be you're not getting that me out far. of the twos. No, I don't have to be that far below. But I'm like at like a two three. I can't go. I all can't right. say this is an average group. You've got a two three. Uh, poetic talent. I mean, they answer all of life's questions. So I feel like a ten is in order. It's. It's. I mean, it's. A, it, 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 give them a point one. But here's the thing. The only lyrics that were lyrics were pulled from famous authors. And everything else was terrible, was grunting and growling. Chanting. And yeah, I it's know. brutal. Do you right, want, I'll I give mean, the point one. I'll give them, uh, they actually did write words. So I'm going to give them a point two. Because point one is reserved for artists who never wrote any of their own lyrics. Fine. Guarantee they lose the season in lyrics. I'm happy with that. They will. Uh, but X Factor, I think there has to be X Factor in play for inventing several of yeah. their own instruments. I think that's definitely a thing. Now, I will also say, because something similar ha uh, came into play for the Decemberists here, during their live performances, they feature puppet shows. They put together pseudoscience scholarly presentations to give to the audience. Uh, and they also have, like... Japanese dance theater groups come up and do like improvised dances in the middle of it. Like, yeah, the the, the shows are fascinating. Um, so that I was that I was very interested in as well. So just the sheer absurdity uh, and innovation of the live shows and the instruments, I think, deserves something. Sure, uh, I'm willing to give them, and I gave this a lot of thought. A point six. Okay. I believe that you gave it so much thought that I'm not even going to question it. We're going to move on yep. to Nickelback. Nickelback is a Canadian rock band formed in 1995 in Hannah, Alberta, Canada. And uh, they're still active today. Still still I'm going strong. I'm confused. What? You said they're formed in 1999, but the first album I said 1995. Oh, I thought you said 99. I was like, wait, did I get something wrong? No, I said but 1995. No, okay. okay. I was worried. And uh, yeah, that's... That's where we're at. Um, it was formed by Chad Kroger, his brother Mike Kroger, uh, Ryan Peake, and then Daniel Adair. That's that's Nickelback, right? And uh, that's it. We did three albums. 
So we did 1996 Curb, uh, which, gonna be honest, didn't know they were making music back then. Who did? Like when Nickel. When I think of Nickelback, I think of like the mid 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. So just interesting that they were that far back. Uh, right. Then we followed that up with all the right reasons from 2005, which is again when I think of them. And then we did Feed the Machine from uh, 2017. Yes, we did. And uh, it's my and turn to go it's first. It's your turn. Yeah. Okay. We all know Nickelback. We sure. all were kind of aware of them. We're kind of aware of roughly the music they put out. So that's why when this album was literally a 90s grunge album, very surprised. Sure. I'm very, very surprised. And here's what I'll say. I'm trying to be objective, but I listened to them mere moments after I listened to Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. And I was really holding my breath because of, you know, what everybody says about Nickelback. Sure. And I've listened to Nickelback myself. I loved it because of where I was in life. <laughs> Circumstances. Because of where I happened to be. Uh, no, but it's it's honestly, it's not bad. It's, you know, it's grunge. It's kind of by the books grunge. Like, there's not a ton of risk taking here. However, they're relatively young. I mean, this came out in 1996. It, it, you know, they're younger. This is obviously a debut album. Let's see. Chad Kroger was born in 74, so he was 22 years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he wasn't exactly, you know, knocking the doors off. He wasn't He wasn't really rewriting the book here. But there's some stuff to like. Grunge is a good genre. I agree with that. It's it's they don't go too heavy in the metal version of grunge, which I think wouldn't have suited Chad Kroger's voice. Um, there definitely is a little bit of imitation as the highest form of flattery uh, towards Mr. Cobain. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> Chad Kroger does kind of try to model his voice after Cobain a little bit. To varying degrees of success. He's he's no Cobain in the vocal department. Mm -mm. Um, but I do I legitimately think there's more to like than to dislike here. It's an average grunge album. I wish they took some more risks, but as the kind of is the biggest criticism of Nickelback, they're not known for taking risks. And right. this is pretty much their formula of structured, kind of averaging to the mean but they're talented. There's talent here. Just no risk-taking. Okay, That's I partially funny. agree with you. Um, I partially agree with you. I partially disagree. I mean, like, did I think this album was good? No. Did I think it was bad? No, not really right. either. Um, I just think it would have been more of an just an average grunge album had it come out, like, four or five years earlier instead of in 1996. Well, they are You know what I Canadian. mean? Like, at that time... Oh, they—that's right. Time moves slower there. Yeah, uh, that—that's that makes a lot. As of we, sense. I mean, seriously, we just yeah. did Alanis Morissette, who was coming out with '80s pop in the early '90s. Like, you're right. Their fads just happen a little slower then. You're—that's a good point. Um, I mean, a lot of the songs, like you said, sounded like legitimately like they could have just been like Nirvana rejects that didn't make the cut for the album, or like the extended edition of the album, yeah, or like the 30th anniversary edition that includes. You know, some home demos that they still didn't quite make the cut for that. Um, I don't know. I would never listen to it again. No, Chad Kroger sounds not. like he's being tortured when he sings on occasion <laughs> here. Like, it sounds like someone is literally stabbing him and driving the knife in as he's uh, vocalizing. Yeah, I he, will he definitely say. 
Genuinely. Later on, there is, you know, the signature Chad Kroger voice that everybody makes fun of. Sure. It's not here. He hasn't found that sound really yet. Right. Uh, and I would I would agree with you. That's not a good thing. It's no. like he definitely when he finds his voice, even though everybody parodies, parodies it and makes fun of it. Sure. It's better. Yeah. Yeah. Even this, though it's I not mean, he, great. Right. Okay. I'll go into all the right reasons. I'm going to get Please this Please do. It sold 18 million copies. It spawned five top 20 hits in the United States. It is very generic. It was an incredible popular success uh, and a critical failing to middling as pretty much. Yeah. Nick, that's kind of Nickelback's claim to fame is like they make a lot of money. They sell a lot of albums, but no one thinks that the music is very good. And I don't want to um, interrupt you, so, but I'm going to yeah. interrupt you with we should Sheet, mention sure, this. I did mention his name earlier, but I wanted to wait until now to push the button. This is where you get Three Doors Down's Daniel Adair on the drums for the first album. And uh, you know what? That's so funny. I, I didn't even remember that that's where he came from. And literally yeah. in my notes, I have written, this band seems to have like the Three Doors Down Heartland appeal uh -huh. that doesn't really connect with us at all. Like uh -huh. I could understand why there are a lot of people in the middle of this country or in the more more rural areas of this country i mean like we live in the suburbs but it's also like they're they're more cosmopolitan suburbs than some other suburbs uh in the united states are i would say like because we're barely outside sure of um and i really get how some of these songs could be the kind of thing where you're just like driving around on back roads on the weekend and there's nothing else to do so you're gonna go drink in the woods with your buddies uh and that's the kind of energy and thought level that i think goes into these songs um, you know, there's yeah. nothing here for me artistically. Um, I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard either. Uh, Animals has terrible lyrics, though. Rockstar, which is the closing track, which was another bit huge hit for them. Maybe their second most popular song. Uh, also is, like, considered by many to be one of the worst songs ever released. Uh, it's on, like, a bunch of <laughs> lists and things of, like, of the worst songs of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. Man, they're bad at writing words. They are Bad at writing words. And that um, is Chad Kroger. He's, yeah, he's credited he as write. the lyricist. Yeah, he's not good. Uh, and sure, that's fine. The last thing I'll say is uh, when the song, and I remembered a lot of these songs from like 2005. Well, like yeah. they came back to me a little bit as I was listening to it. Uh, and as soon as Far Away came on, I started singing Teardrops on My Guitar by Taylor Swift because they're the same song. Uh, they are quite similar. Because, well, three chords, sure. you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you can talk about it. I've said everything I need yeah, to. Yeah, I'll discuss. Uh, here's the thing, okay? You're going to get now the prototypical Nickelback sound, the sound everybody knows about Nickelback. This is the height of their fame. Uh, they've kind of managed to stay culturally relevant uh, for, I'm not even being a pun here, all the wrong reasons. Yeah, uh, as in they really kind of are now known as like a joke and kind of ruining the rock industry. Right. And this is the band that we discussed past the torch to Imagine Dragons of just writing to the mean of the world, writing to the average mm -hmm. consumer. They're not pushing any musical boundaries. They're trying to just write middling songs that will appeal to the masses as background noise. Yep. That's what I mean. And it works. Here's the thing. Totally. If you just take yeah. out the lyrics and you just listen to these instrumentals, 
they're not bad. Sure. There's nothing incredible about them. All the instrumentation is decent. Um, you know, all they're fine. all playing fine. It's all fine. The lyrics are bad. The lyrics are really bad. Uh, the song Animals, woof. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just straight up woof. And I was talking to Nick right before we started here. That song, if you just listen to the song, don't listen to the lyrics. It's good. It's got really good pacing. It's got really good energy. I love the fast-paced lyrics in it. Like, I love that there's... I love the movement of the lyric. I hate the words. The words ruin the song. And don't get me wrong. It's it's about sex. It's about... It's about Chad Kroger picking up a girl from her parents' house and banging her in his right, car. Right after he got his license back for maybe like a DUI or something. Yeah. Like it makes it sound Which like three years later he was good. convicted of a DUI. Go figure. <laughs> but that's what the song is about. And I don't, that's not why I don't like it. Right. I, you can write a song about sex. 80% of the songs in the world are about sex. Sure. That's very common. And I don't even care that it's obscenely about sex because, again, whatever. We're all adults here. <laughs> right. The problem is it is grotesquely about sex. It's it's like I, I got both hands on the wheel while she's got both hands on my gear. Yeah, it's not even clever. Hasn't anyone ever told her not to speak with a full mouth? Yeah. Like, these upsetting. are the lyrics that happened. Yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> These I, are the lyrics that happened. I just, I don't know. Her mom wouldn't be happy with the parts of her that I've been kissing, screaming, oh, we're never going to quit. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Like, uh, it's just not clever. No. There's no, there's no nuance at all. It's just super in your face. And that's kind of the vibe that you get. You yeah. get, like, and there's, like, you're not getting any depth. It can work. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it can't work. Honestly, I think it works in the song Photograph. I was just about to say, uh, after everything you're saying, I almost think that even though it is like memed to death yeah. and it is like the most generic song of all time. Oh, super generic. It's probably Chad Kroger's best attempt at writing lyrics. I don't even think they're good, but at least no. they're not openly offensive. Like the idea is at least relatable. And he's not just like exactly. intentionally bad about it because because in that song, while again there there's no metaphorical moments, it's very storytelling at point A, point B, point C. It kind of works because it fits the fact that it's a kind of plain overall sound to the melody. It's sure. a plain chordal structure. It's plain lyrics. It all fits. And there's a reason it's memed so much is because everybody's heard it and it sticks in their head. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is the album where you spawn the, you know, riffing Chad Kroger's voice. Yeah. Because he's found his signature vocal here. So yet again, uh, it's a middling to fair album. It just lives by the mean. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, and I will go into Feed the Machine. Yeah, which is such a shame because we're missing the song that they collaborated with Flo Rida on on the previous album. Uh, but we we did on all the right reasons. We did get their collaboration with Dimebag Daryl. That's true. On a side Who of the bullet, not not the same as Flo Rida. No, he's Darryl. not. But <laughs> just throwing that out there. Uh, okay, so this is their ninth overall album, and I had heard about their shift, but I had not listened to any of it. Uh, they shifted into uh, a hard rock sound. I, I had heard about this. 
Um, and I don't know if it was Feed the Machine or if it was uh, the album before this, but I don't know. I will say that in between this is in between this album and their last album, No Fixed Address, Chad Kroger had to have vocal cyst surgery. So they had to cancel their their touring for No Fixed Address to to have that happen. He had to remove a cyst. Uh, and then, as is pretty typical, they, they got kind of bogged down by a bunch of yeah. legal bullcrap about canceling their tour, which, as a vocalist, I like how I, my voice cracked when I said vocalist. As a vocalist, that is by far the thing that I agree with Nickelback about the most. You need If you yeah. have vocal cysts, vocal polyps, vocal nodes, take care of them. Let the chips fall where yeah. they may. Your long-term health is more important because not only your singing voice, but your speaking voice, your entire life can be derailed by letting those that stuff go unchecked. That's correct. Um, okay, now getting into the music. Some positives. This is the third album. This is the third different Nickelback sound. We had a grunge album. We had a, you know, I guess it's considered post-grunge. Post-grunge. Alt-rock kind of sound. And now this is a harder rock sound. Still kind of post-grunge, but a harder sound. And they've managed to do something very impressive to me. They've managed to just be completely average at three completely different genres. Because that is exactly this. Again, the lyrics here, one thing about them, they're almost the exact opposite of every other lyric that we've heard from them. So the first album and the second album that we listened to, we both said there was really no metaphor, there was no depth, there was no, it all just was kind of there and a little grotesque, a little in your face. These ones are literally all metaphor. They're literally just trying so hard to be deep. They're still not, but they're trying much, much harder. So that's kind of where I fall. It's another completely average sound, a little bit of a harder sound. Um, But I will say, after listening to a pretty decent span of their career here, 96, 05, 2017, so, you know, a good gap. I think this band's hate that they get is not about the music. And we'll discuss why they get so much hate um, coming up when we grade them. But it's definitely not the music. The music is middling. It's not bad music. It's okay. Are there better bands in every single one of these genres? Absolutely. But are there worse bands in every one of these genres? And have we done them on the podcast? Absolutely. Well, they're no Sleepy Time Grill Museum. No. Well, uh, listen, compared to them, they may be the best band we've ever done. <laughs> Okay. But that's where uh, I'm at. Yeah. I, I So I'm going to start out by disagreeing with you. Uh, I listened to this immediately after I finished All the Right Reasons, and I detected no noticeable change in genre or songs at all. If It all felt like it ran together to me. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really feel like... Because I felt like All the Right Reasons was more <coughs> hard rock than... I mean, like, there are some ballady songs on there, throwing a piano on occasion, like... That all just seems well. This to hold this steady. one definitely didn't have like a a far away or a rock star. No, like those songs are true. way softer than anything on this album. It, with the exception of what I thought was hands down the best song in their entire discography. Like I didn't really like any of the songs. I didn't like you mentioned. I didn't really hate too many of them. But the betrayal act one. Oh. The, little yeah. like acoustic guitar led uh instrumental piece to end this yeah. album 
was literally better than the rest of their discography put together to me. Which is the like, only song <laughs> primarily written by Ryan Peake, who's the guitarist. Yes, go figure. The one that so, Chad Kroger had no part of. Right. Yeah, go figure. Like, honestly, the Betrayal Act 1, as a 2 minute and 42 second instrumental, was better than the totality of the other six, like all six of the albums that we've listened to so far put together for yeah. me. Like it was, it was really good. Um, but otherwise, like you said, the lyrics are still bad. Uh, the, so- the songs are otherwise still generic. Um, on the song For the River, Nuno Betancourt played the guitar solo as oh, a feature. Oh, hey, Nuno. So, yeah. I'm not uh, going to push the really button s- again, but yeah. Nuno. Like his style jumped out at me, but it wasn't anything like special on the level of what he's capable of, I thought. Sure. Uh, and just the fact that we should, I mean, they, we should just say it because people might not know. Sure. Extreme. Extreme, yeah. Nunu Betancourt is the guitarist for Extreme. The only part of Extreme we complimented pretty much ever. Correct. Uh, I just thought it made perfect sense that they would be uh, co-headlining a tour for this album with Daughtry. Yes. Because before they had kind of been the standard bearer for us of absolutely generic middle-of-the-road post-grunge hard rock music of right. the era. And, and, and yeah, here's what they, I'll they say. They go hand-in-hand. After I know that uh, Chad Kroger wrote um, a decent chunk, or at least a few songs for Daughtry, uh, wrote the lyrics and stuff. I will say what I said again, okay? And I defended Daughtry there, and I'll defend them again here. Daughtry may be similar to Nickelback in musical output, but it just shows you how important having a good singer is in terms of elevating the quality of your product. Mm-hmm. Because Daughtry being like like a force multiplier in terms of being a better singer than Chad Kroger really helps their music here. Chad Kroger doesn't have that strong of a voice mm. and like having a really talented anything really, because I think Nunu Betancourt did a good job of covering some of the weaknesses in extreme as well. Sure. Having a force multiplier at an instrument covers a world of hurt. And I think that listening to them like that really just shows you. Okay. Great. Still don't love cultural them. impact. Still don't love no. them. But. Okay. Okay. So cultural impact. It's something. There's. I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. Sure. Um. And I think not all of it's good. Correct. But all of it's impactful, which is part of the score. Sure. Nickelback is universally hated, but universally discussed. And that's important. They've become the meme of hating this band. Hating this band has become like a cultural thing to do. It's, yeah, I it's was reading the in thing. Yeah, there was like a music based like dating website that did a poll of what the number one turnoff would be if it sure. was in somebody else's profile, and it was Nickelback. They won that. Go, so good for them for winning. Yeah, I mean, and that's what it is. They're they're uh, they're a joke band, and I'm not, like they're a band that gets clowned all the time. You know, they have a huge negative response. They're, you know, they're called very derivative, or derivative, repetitive, formulaic, all those things. And and it's all accurate. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing here that that's not true. But I just want to say that that is all important. They're heavily discussed. They've been heavily discussed for years. They're pretty much a household name of hatred. Yeah. So, so all of that I think the impactful. only thing to do here is to just stop what we're saying and put five for every number and move on. absolutely uh but the one thing i do i do want to give the band credit for is please they are completely aware of that yeah and they don't let it get to them which is good Good not only do they not let it get to them they embrace it like they'll go out and they'll be they're in on the joke 
Right. And like and as a musician, kudos to them. Because if I was that universally hated, I don't know what my reaction would be. Like Yeah, you gotta have a thick skin. You gotta have a really thick skin. And and so I wanna give them the props for understanding. But sure. honestly, they've sold incredibly well. Yeah, so they're about fifty million albums yeah. worldwide. So they've sold incredibly well. Yeah. So here's where I'm at. Like I think at the end of the day, Nickelback, they've been around longer. They've been a part of that discussion longer. Their grade is going to be higher than the band that we've compared them to quite a bit, which is Imagine Dragons. However, Imagine Dragons sold more albums. They're in like the 75 million category in less time. Uh And I think that like that is kind of a factor in their cultural impact bumping where Nickelbacks wouldn't bump up as much. But overall, like we gave them a six point eight, I'd be comfortable putting Nickelback in like the seven to low sevens tier. I was thinking just a seven. because they're constantly talked about. Like that. I'm, I'm thinking a seven is where it's at. I think yeah, that gives them their credit because cultural impact is literally all news is good news. Sure, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and then they have nine studio albums and they've sold fifty million records, and it's not yeah. good. No, they're not going <laughs> to. Here's the thing: they're not going to lose points for musical quality. I, it's, I would be willing to take a little. I see. I'm not. Not a lot. I'd be so, like a point one or a point two. Maybe. I mean, it's just so middle of the road for me. It's hard to take away points. Like, there's nothing it's, to raise them. But I didn't have any moments other than the lyrics, which are not this part. Right. True. It, like it's. But I think there are bad songs. Like it's records full of like very very average songs with two or three just bad songs mixed in Uh, like there's never anything that puts them like above a five in terms of the quality of the song itself but there are some twos and threes mixed in and so at the end of the day like each album is slightly less than average i do just want to say that just a quick not even a tangent just a quick mention here reading the bands that nickelback has cited as influential or inspirational i know it was weird like ccr nirvana was obvious bob marley where you too. Like, where were these? Where? B- no, nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> where, Show me of... the Bob Marley influence well, in Nickelback. Remember how music. we said that U2 songs all sounded the same? Maybe hey, Nickelback went for that. They're like, let's just do totally go. different songs, but have them all sound the same. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so, look, I'm again, like, kind of comparing them to Imagine Dragons. They have four more albums. Mm-hmm. They uh, have about 25 million less in sales, though. Yeah. So but we have discussed. I don't that think the grades are going to be that far from each no, other. No, we've discussed that once you go like the difference between one million and yeah, twenty million is less than between fifty and seventy-five. Sure, like, it's there. It's a I scaling, think, sliding scale. Right. So I would be like a five point seven. Five point seven. Let's give them a five point eight. Let's give them a little bit up there. Deal. Yeah. Uh, instrumental talent. As I've I mentioned, as I've mentioned, no one is bad. Yeah, I wouldn't no have one taken points away for anything except for maybe Kroger's voice on the first and album. And Kroger's voice on the first album pulls him down a little bit, but I think they're I think this is very average category for Yeah, them. I was gonna say this is like literally the spot where I think they most deserve a five. Yeah. I'm fine with um, that. I think yeah. no one's bad, but no one's good. Right. And I think the same like with songwriting talent, the problem is that it's derivative and generic. Um not that the individual songs sure. are horrific, like with Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. But let's be fair. There is something about the fact that there's three albums, and I know you disagree between albums two and three, but I definitely hear a difference there. And there's an unarguable difference between album one and album two. For sure. So there's sure. multiple genres yeah. being incorporated. Right. So there's I mean, a little I wasn't, bit here. 
Yeah, I wasn't trying to say that they were like a two or anything. I was just trying to say that even though they've written nine albums of music, they're still like a four. Yeah, I would say like a four one even, just a sure. little bit. I mean, they're again, we're we're not arguing difference here. I'm just I'm yeah. trying to give them. You know, obviously, I don't like this band. No, but I also don't no. just hate them. Yeah, I agree. We shouldn't just be, uh, you know, r- ripping them for no reason. Now we I, have plenty of reason. Poetic talent. It was really bad it's consistently. Really it needs bad. to be bad. It's, it's bad. <laughs> it's this is terrible. But here's the thing. For me personally, in my brain, they're benefiting so hard because unlike Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, there they had words. sentences. Right. <laughs> they had Which, human yeah. words and sentences. No, but but they were bad. They were bad, and the instrumental song was the best song on all three albums. Yeah, I mean that's for sure. I'm not. I, I'm not. They're gonna a deny. band that is better when there's not words. Well, um, yeah. I, here, here's what I want to do. But they've written nine albums worth of words. I could give them like in the twos, maybe. That's that's what I was thinking. I want to just read an excerpt from a song real quick. Is it the one I sent you earlier? It's. It is. I hope it is. Oh, good. Okay, I'm gonna read the chorus of this of this song. Okay. S is for the simple need. E is for the ecstasy. X is just to mark the spot because that's the one you really want. I I think that's okay. Uh, I'm that gonna go down. It. I'm going down. I was in the twos. <laughs> now they get a one point nine. <laughs> Let's give them a two flat. Uh, fine. Okay. X now, Factor is being the most hated band in the history of music. X Factor. Here's the thing. They're hated for their being derivative, but I think the real reason they're hated, and it's been kind of discussed, is that they dragged down the quality of people after them. Because yeah. a lot of bands have seen what Nickelback has done and pushed themselves into that genre. And for the very similar reason that people hate Imagine Dragons, is that to the outside, you know, non fan, that's the music that people like because it sells well and because that's the genre. It's the same reason. I mean, I I mm-hmm. think it could be worth like a point one or a point two to be this much of a meme. Yeah, I'll give him a point one. Yeah. Perfect. I gave you the higher one every time all the way through, so I'll give him the point one here. Yeah, that's it. Point uh, one is and all let's they need. move on to the young rascals slash the rascals. The rascals, uh, who were initially known as the young rascals. Uh, when they were young. Were an American rock band formed in Garfield, New Jersey. How do you think they feel about lasagna? I assume that they love it. They have to. And you know what? Uh, wh- the main guy in the band's name is Felix, so like famous cats oh, all wow. over the place. Really, really covering all their bases here. Uh, and they were active. Get ready. It's a, it's a long one. From 1965 to 1972. Then in 1988. Then in 2010. Then in 2012 to 2013. So, okay, a lot of back and forth, right? And we listened to three albums. So, we listened to The Young Rascals, the eponymous debut. Which, thank you, Young Rascals. Yeah, I know. Thank like, you. Like, yet again, we've been saved by the skin of our teeth here in yep. terms of keeping that alive. Uh, we th- so that came out in 1966. Uh, we then listened to Groovin' from 1967, and then The Island of Real. From 1972. That is correct. And uh, Nick, I believe it is your turn to go first. Sure. I would love to. So let me start by uh, saying the negatives about this album. They didn't write the songs. 
No, they which do not. Which is the only album in their discography where this is a problem, which is good. Um, they but did write it here, one of them. Correct, yeah. But seeing it here that they weren't really writing the songs, upsetting, especially because one of my favorite songs of this whole era of music is on this record, which is Good Lovin', which is just a fantastic song, great organ solo, great uh, vocals, great back uh, backing vocals too, a lot of good harmony, everything. Uh, really love everything about that. Uh, and what I was reading a review uh, from Bruce Etter, who kind of compares this album to Please Please Me by the Beatles, uh, which I totally get. <coughs> uh, the difference being the Beatles at least were writing half the stuff on their first album, whereas yeah. the, the Young Rascals hadn't gotten there yet. But it's like kind of got a garage rocky feel, but there's a lot of soul to it too and you can feel that there's a lot of R&B in their roots as musicians and as artists uh, and it comes across as a great blend of those in their renditions of the songs uh, honestly there was only one cover on here that I didn't like which was their cover of Like a Rolling Stone by Bob which Dylan, was which was far and weird. away my favorite song on the album because they did a pitch perfect impression of Bob Dylan. It was so, like literally the first like couple bars. I was like, "Is that Bob?" No, that's not. That's them doing an impression of him. But they did the whole thing yeah. like this. The whole like I was like, I loved it yeah. from a theatrical standpoint. Okay, fair enough. Um, I just like as a as a cover, it was like an unneeded version of the song. Oh but yeah, I, felt I mean, like yeah. their their version of everything else was really good and like worth its own existence like stood on its own merits but now i have one other thing to say about this because this is the early formation of the group and i don't know if you would have caught this sure do you know what group they were all playing with originally when they met before they went off to become the young rascals am i gonna push a button you are i i don't know uh they were all playing with joey d and the starlighters very famously the band Not, not that's the wrong button that yeah, that Sammy Hagar was not in uh, very famously, uh, but a band that famously gave its start to uh, Jimmy James, Jimi Hendrix, and also Joe Pesci. Hey, mm-hmm. we get to talk about Joe Pesci again. Yep, just just bringing that in there from the uh, the nonlinear episode still counts. But yep, Joe Pesci was also in Joey D and the Starlighters, and so was half were half of the Rascals. So, wow, I am uh, I'm proud of them. Yep, me too. Okay, I'll talk. I've already shown my hand on my favorite song on this album. Uh, and I, I once I caught that it was all covers, um, I'm grading with a grain of salt. That's sure. just the way that it is for me. If you're not writing your own lyrics. Yeah, it's a product of the time. Exactly. It, it but. is, but, you know, they do a decent job of, as you mentioned, kind of making the covers fit themselves and putting their own spin on them. Uh, but, like, seriously... The performance quality in like a Rolling Stone, how far they went in the Bob Dylan vein of just like not only are we going to cover a Bob Dylan song, we're going to cover Bob Dylan covering a Bob Dylan song. Oh, man. It's it was hilarious. It was like it was funny to me, but not like like definitely laughing with them like that. That was obvious. Like I wasn't laughing at them. They were in on that joke and I appreciated the joke. So like. (laughs) I would give it a listen, you know. Don't expect too different of a version from Dylan, but a, definitely not. But a funny one. 
Sure. Uh, but a lot of the other stuff here, I mean, Good Lovin' was not a cover. It's a song that was written and uh, that was written for them. For them. Yeah, right. So there is a little bit of a difference there. Like at least their biggest song was a song written specifically for this band. Right. They're good. There's a lot of potential here. There, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of positives. I'm with you on it. Uh, even though they didn't write the lyrics, they're definitely, as of right now, the most talented group we listened to this week. Sure. Yeah. So like that's they're benefiting a lot from from that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. There was no Banana Slugs uh, in attendance no. at their gigs, as far as Unfortunately. I'm aware. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. but, but that's where I'm at with that. I'll take us right into Groovin'. So even though, this is, even though this is one year later, this is their third album. So they're pumping out music. And, I mean, the fact that they have nine albums. Yeah. I believe that Collections was actually um, a compilation album. But it was all previous singles that were not released in album form. So they just kind of collected a bunch of singles um, that weren't on any of their other albums and put them out as collections. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's... It's the third album all... of new music, for sure. Well, it's the second album. Of, this, uh, you talk about collections. So that's their second yeah, right, album. Right. It's all new music. Right, I'm say- and then I'm saying Groovin' is the third album of totally new music. They have three... It's the third album, and it's the third album of new music. But collections was uh, like taking a bunch of singles that weren't on an album and putting them out. Yeah, which is pretty common for the time. Yeah, and that's fine. And I'm just saying, like, it still counts as an album for uh, our purposes because yeah. it's all all songs that they recorded and put on an album. Just yeah, you know, they were compiled for it. Sure, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I enjoyed this album. That's what I'll say. I mean. A lot of good stuff here. Obviously, the title track is really good. It's a big hit for them. Totally. Uh, I one. think that they're they're in their genre comfortably. They're 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 in the blue eyed soul genre. It's like a it's like if the Righteous Brothers were a four piece. Sure, is what it feels like to me. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Plus, I, they play their instruments uh, well. Sure, they, and they do instead of just singing. Uh, there's there's talent here. Um. If I had to critique them, I would say that I personally feel like this is another band that isn't really pushing an envelope. Sure. They're in their genre really well. The Blue-Eyed Soul genre, they're, they're doing a good job. I know they're in the process of, of grooving. Of grooving. They're kind of in the process of getting kind of next to the Righteous Brothers as like the kings of Blue-Eyed Soul of the era. Mm-hmm. And sure, but the same critique I had for the Righteous Brothers, there, there's no, there's no pushing an envelope here. Sure. And I kind of wish because it definitely seems like they have the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. They have the talent to write songs and they have the instrumental talent to play them. I would have liked to see a little bit of genre blending, a little bit of yeah growth that I, just I was going to say the, not quite the first seeing. album was that when they weren't writing the songs and right. maybe it was because the, the songs were rock and roll songs and they were a blue-eyed soul group and so that just felt like a natural meeting place for those two when they're writing their own stuff they're much more soulful uh and it doesn't have as much of that rock and roll uh taste to it yeah i but yeah i i that might be correct i just i felt like it was so obvious they could have done it and they had mm-hmm. done it with the covers that I wish sure. they expanded upon a more wide range of genre than just kind of sticking to the one. Sure. Totally get it. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think this is a, a good album. Uh, 
I did think that they they ventured into like psychedelic stuff at at times. Um, Maybe as a little well bit, as but they're soulful. As yeah, far as bit, I'm concerned, sure. an album that came out in the '60s, 98% of them had that. Like, have, have a little bit of something. That's... <laughs> yeah. Um, I really got right from the opening track, "A Girl Like You," and uh, I don't know if you'll agree with this. I got a real Turtles vibe from that one. Very from true. that song in particular. Sure. Very turtley, uh, which is a very Turtle. good comparison to get on this podcast. Uh, Felix Cavalier. I'm not sure how you how you say his name. Cavalier I believe or Cavalier. It's, yeah, Cavalier. 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 Um, really good vocalist. Really good keyboard player. Um, definitely enjoy what he brings to the table. It's nice that um, they've got multiple guys in the group who can all present a strong lead vocal. And everyone yep. else does a nice job of harmonizing and taking care of all the backing stuff. I that believe goes on everybody here. but uh, Dino Dinelli, which right great the drummer, name. Mm-hmm. great it name. is a good yeah. But everybody you but Dino Dinelli pulls a lead vocal at one point on the mm-hmm. album. Yeah, uh, and so I think they're they're doing what they do really well, and you've already kind of described it pretty well. Obviously, my choice cut other than a girl like you would be the title track Reuben, which is another one that I really love. Uh, and I'll just jump to the island of real. So. Uh, this it's much more of a Felix Cavalier uh, run enterprise now at this point. So he is is pretty much the one in charge. Like Dino Danilli is still in the band as the drummer, but Felix does the, all the vocals, the keyboards. He's writing all the the music now as well. Yeah, um, and he's a good writer. He's a good writer, and it's uh, perhaps like he was the driving force in this group in their R&B influence before cuz that's certainly where they've like fully gone into at this point like it's a groovy R&B soul album um it like it kind of remind like the song grooving in and of itself like instead of that being like one aspect of where they were going that's now the full direction um of every single one of the songs uh but Felix you know he's got a good voice really good piano and organ moments throughout here like you know he's a strong player uh, and the song Lament, which was the last track on here, great guitar tone. I loved the tone uh, that Howard Buzz Featon, the, the guitarist who's in the group now, uh, found for that song. And it was a really nice solo. Uh, and I think it was a good album. It was a very solid R&B soul record, but none of their hits are here. You know, like they're a band that's had three number one hits and a, and a number three in A Beautiful Morning. And they actually disbanded. Um, after their singles did not hit the Billboard Top 100. And I'm like, this is still, like, good music. People are going to want to listen to it. It, Just because you didn't hit the singles exactly in that one spot, like, you could still carve out a career if you make good music. But I guess they were just like, nope, it was this or nothing. And, like, once we stop making top 10 hits, then we're we're done. Yeah, I mean, I'll discuss uh, as well. Uh, This was kind of a continuation of the downward slide of the band. Uh, so the last album, Peaceful World, uh, was peaked at number 122 on the 200 chart. And then one single, the single Love Me on that album, reached 95 in the Hot 100. So there was definitely yeah. a continuing trend in the eyes of the Rascals of sure. they're less and less popular each album. So yeah. get out now. Like, that's kind of yeah, what... They went- they, I'm sorry, not to interrupt you, because I wanted to check that out because you said it. That's a double album, and they went in this weird direction where they had like the three to five minute songs on the first record, and then the second record has an A side with 
a six and a half, five and nine minute song, and a B side with a twenty one and a half minute song. Yeah. So they went like Prague. Yeah. Which is interesting to me. And you know what? Honestly, that might contribute a little bit to to what happened there. Why there was a little sure. bit less of a of an accolade, a little bit less yeah. success. Which listen, that's fine. That's that's the way they chose to go. But yeah, that's probably one of the reasons they broke up. Um, Robert Christgau wrote of this album, uh, The Island of Real. Uh, you can hear Felix trying to get back as side one begins, but as Buzzy Feeton starts trickling up his own jungle walk, you wonder whether jungles are coy, and then you realize that there's a pink horse on the cover for a reason. Okay, that's what he said. <laughs> that is what he said. <laughs> I, I was like, are you going to elaborate on what you think that means? Oh, I don't think he knew what that meant. I think he okay. just... I think, <laughs> I think Robert Criscow was in a drunken stupor and doesn't remember writing a review for this album, which is ironic be. because as we agree or disagree with him quite often, typically yeah. he makes sense. Typically. But I had to include that because what did he just say? He said, I he don't said, know. he literally was like, yeah, well, Felix tries to, you know, as, as side one starts, Felix is there. Then Buzzy Fightin' starts, or Feetin' starts playing about the jungle. And then you wonder, are jungles coy? And then <laughs> why would you wonder that? And then you just go, oh well, there's a there's That's, a unicorn on the car. There's a pink our jungles koi should have there's been one of the questions on the cover of Of Natural History by Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Yeah, our jungles koi so, who swarms. Just wanted to just wanted to throw that out there. As much as we like to dunk on Chris Gow for his opinions, bizarre. It's funny to dunk on Chris Gow for just whatever that was. Uh, but now we'll go into this album, and for me. I feel like this album is good, not great, and I think there are moments where it kind of goes over the top. Uh, and I, I think that it kind of, if you just at a glance, if you look at the personnel, I think that's your first clue to this album maybe got a little too big for itself. Sure. Because this is quite a long list of people, and there's a lot of people that are doing the same things. So, for instance, you have four people that played just the conga. Right, you have a bunch of a bunch of players who were doing saxophone, um, a, you know, a few different people that played synthesizer, um, different different groups for horns, and I mean different groups for horns, like Woodstock horns played horns, but right. they also had John Smith on saxophone and horn, David Sanborn on saxophone and horn, uh, Joe Farrell on the saxophone and the flute. Like there was just a lot of different pieces on this, and you sure. kind of got a sense of. For me, anyway, it was the least cohesive mm -hmm. sound that they came up with. Sure. Um, however, as you mentioned, still good music. Yeah. Uh, I would probably say um, it was the third best album I got to listen to this week. I was just going to say, like, even the worst album by the Rascals was probably better than the other six from the first two artists. We yes. And, and the, but the one, because the one thing that I will give this album is I felt like. They were trying different things. Mm -hmm. I felt like they got a little too big for their britches on this album, and too many, yeah. too many hands in the pot, too much movement. Right. But I think as soon as Felix uh, Cavalier kind of took over because yeah. Brigatti and the other guys were out as the you know creative forces, could it be Cavalier? Then he didn't know what to do. Could be, could be. But it seems like the last two albums were where the rest of the group left. And then things started to, to change, and he maybe wasn't as sure of his direction. Yeah, so that's that's what I'll say. It's sure. 
it was the third best Rascals album that we got to listen to. However, the things that they did poorly are a little bit made up for in the fact that they tried different things. Sure. And considering we had the last band, I feel like they're a nice happy medium because we had the first band who just tried to break any mold ever. Yeah. The second band who tried desperately to stick to the mean. This band, you know, did some different things, kind of stuck to the mean a little bit, a little bit of both, but the best of both. For sure. All right. So grades. Uh, Cultural impact. We'll start out with the fact that the young rascals, the rascals, uh, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hame Hall of Fame in 1997. The Rock and Roll Hame. The Rock and Roll Hame. Uh, the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2005, and uh, Felix Cavalier and I think Eddie Brigatti were inducted. Were the two who were inducted into the Songwriters Hall correct. of Fame in 2009. So we've got all those things. You're, uh, you're forgetting group. the Hit Parade Hall of Fame in 2020. Sure, the Hit Parade Hall of Fame as well. They have three number one Billboard singles uh, as well as a number three. Uh, so they'll probably mostly be remembered for those four songs uh, at the end of the day. But being remembered for four songs is not bad. Definitely not. Um, so if we take the like kind of standards that are born out here, I think we end up a little bit above a five with Hall of Fames here, there, and the other place, uh, and then some handful of big hits. Sure, and I was thinking probably like a five, too, because sure. this is a band that is very interesting to me because I feel like they're a prime example on why we include those baselines because the average music listener probably doesn't know who the rascals are right but But because you probably recognize yeah yeah, you probably recognize recognize those songs when they came on yeah grooving for sure a beautiful morning just it's it's a very interesting fact here of like this is probably a group that a lot of people haven't heard of Mm -hmm. but they have so many accolades that it's hard to not count their impact in culture totally so i i I'm just I'm reiterating how proud I am that we put those yeah. baselines in. Oh, good. Uh, Breadth of Work, this is another group that has nine albums. Yes. Uh, four of them w- went gold. Uh, several of their singles also went gold as well. So a little bit of a bump there. Uh, and I think by far the strongest music of the week uh, and that all the songs were actually good. Yeah. Now, uh, instead here's of the middling thing. to terrible. I would like to be fair. Of course. This is a group that... If you combine their entire discography, didn't sell as well as the oh, second no, Nickelback album. Right, totally. Like, the, so even though they went gold and stuff, they make it a slight bump. Like, even though we totally. kind of trashed Nickelback's discography a little bit, we like, did. They sold incredibly more than the Rascals for sure. So, just, um, but still, that all being said, like it's not a bad score for nine albums no. of good quality and a tiny sales bump. No, what did we give Nickelback again? We gave Nickelback a five eight. Yeah, which I think dug at them for it dug at them a little bit for the quality. I'm honestly not too far off of that for the Rascals. Uh, Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, I'd be right around a five eight or a five nine. Like, yeah, they're not a six because they didn't sell. I'll give them the five eight just to be to be totally fair here. Uh, I do think we're going to see the highest instrumental talent score of the week here. Accurate. Uh, multiple strong vocalists and then i think really more so than anyone else on an instrument felix cavalier stood out to me this week as a really good keyboard player yeah so again i'm probably still in the fives but the difference here is instead of like just hitting the average or i'm more in like the five six to five seven category i could i could do the five six 
Uh, I think that there was some moments here, but not a ton for me. Just more of a all the parts were strong. Yeah, they were, I, which was sure. enjoyable. Yeah, and I think they're they're going to be the winners in songwriting talent. I mean, they didn't write the first album, but they did uh, write eight albums worth of music, and they are in the Songwriters Hall of Fame because they wrote good songs. Um, they wrote good Blue Eyed Soul songs. Mm-hmm. I think they're just solid writers who mostly stuck around in that genre but did it well probably circulates around that average uh area which is really all it takes to be the big winner on today's episode yes um and that's (laughs) that's where i was going to kind of live i felt like they did Mm -hmm. well for the genre they pushed the envelope on that last album right uh but Mm -hmm. you know to varying success uh yeah i could live with like a five two i think that's fine Uh, and then last but not least is Poetic Talent. I mean, it's a product of its era. Yeah, it's, it's nothing not particularly bad. special. So there's, they didn't write anything on the first album, lyrically. Right. Um, except for the one song. But Yeah. So it was that's pleasant. one album of Gone, mm-hmm. uh, erased from the moment here. Um, yeah. And the other lyric stuff was okay. I mean, yep. it was okay. It, was, it all made for pleasant listening. The lyrics never I would took say you out of it for any reason. No, um, but I would still say they're a little bit below average in what I would sure. expect from lyrics. Even though, yeah. like, of the time, they were probably average. I think since then, lyrics have gr- sure. generally grown. I'm fine with that. Uh, I don't, so I, I would don't maybe like put them like a 4-7. Done. Uh, and was there X Factor mixed into any of that that, I don't, I, that you can I think don't of? I don't think so. I think we gave them... They started in the same place as Joe Pesci? Well, I, as fun as that is, I don't think it that's... Is. <laughs> I don't think you that's don't anything. I think that's... Fun how? What? Fun how? I I enjoy it. I, like I, a clown, it amuses you. Yeah, <laughs> I hate you. I'm quoting a movie I've never seen. All right, no X Factor. That's why I hate you because I, <laughs> I know you've I never know. seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have scores. Okay, I am ready, and I'm unlike last okay. week. I'm excited to push the button. Okay, there is a last place this week coming in last. You loser. It's obviously a tie between Nickelback and the Rascals uh, with zero. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It was Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, who eked out a 9.3. And I would like to be the first one to offer my sincere condolences <laughs> to the banana slug who was forced to endure their first live yeah. performance. That yeah. poor slug. Rest in peace. You're surely dead by now. Surely. Uh, you may have died during the concert. Maybe. But... <laughs> Just want to yeah. offer that up. Of course. And winning this week. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, would be the Rascals. Okay. With a 26 and a half. Okay. Which now, was enough to edge out second place Nickelback with a 24. So they ended up beating them by yeah. two and a half. I, I felt like that would be a close race. Yeah, I agree. Wow, we did it. We did it. And uh, now that we got through it all, I can officially say... Why did you do that to me? Pat, you think you've gotten through it all? Uh, no, Nick, you, oh, it can't you, be worse. You poor sucker. Because i got to tell you what's happening next week. Because no. No, 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 there no. is a third and final episode to the trilogy, which I am calling the Cavalcade of Cringe. Oh, no. It started with Imagine Dragons. It hits its, uh, its crest, its acme, with Nickelback in the middle. But next week, my friend, we are, we are rounding out the Cringe trilogy with the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, my God. I know. It's going to be the worst stretch of episodes ever. Well, I mean, I I got a feeling that I'm not going to like that <laughs> next week. 
Uh, yeah. At yeah. least it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's not so like we're not also listening to like Fergie's solo career, right? Not I yet. don't have to listen to London Bridge next week. No, you you just straight up have to listen to that one time she sang the national anthem oh, at that basketball game or whatever it was, where it was that. the worst performance of all time. Please don't make me do that. I oh, thought we so were bad. friends. I know. All right, I won't put that on here. <sighs> Good. Okay. But yeah, that's gonna wrap us up. Uh, we hope you enjoyed yep. listening. Um, we hope anyone you... who is left is definitely not coming back next week. We at this point, certainly so. <laughs> hope that you did a few songs from each of these groups. Uh, they're a- available. Um, if you if you're just kind of tuning in, uh, the previous weeks, uh, so like the next week's episode, when you're listening to this, is available on our website, lowtonedband.com/slash totem talks, where you can see all of the acts and albums that we ourselves are listening to during the week. So if you want to kind of check out a little bit of what we're going through, um, so when you what listen we're to going us, through, I like when you, you listen it. to us uh, talk about it next week, you'll be like, ah, I get it. I also agree with you. Or right. maybe you're the biggest Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum fan there That's is. That's what I was going to say. And you're I'm like, so you idiots. curious. I would love to hear from someone who loves Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum uh, yeah. to find out what we missed. Seriously, I, I'm not even. I'm not even saying that to be sarcastic. Like, I, like nope. if you have a reason why you love that band, I would love to talk to you about why. Because clearly, we're not getting why that band yeah. I, I, anyone likes them ever. Correct. So, and unlike bands like Limp Bizkit, who are just trash people, I don't think they're trash people. I just think not that's a all. genre that I will never understand. But Trash People is the name of one of the instruments that they invented. (laughs) I'm sure it is. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. Yes, please. I'm going to take us into the sunset here. I'm I'm rapping. I'm rapping. This is the music playing me off. I just happen to start the music playing me off. Mm -hmm. But yeah, guys, uh, make sure you're enjoying yourself. Uh, Take care of your mental health, especially if you're listening along with us because you need it. Uh, But most importantly, have a great day. 